Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And our topical discussion this week is a subject that we've discussed before. But can you believe it, Tracy? It was back in January 2018. Really? It's our fourth episode. Our wow. fourth episode. That's over two years ago. And I don't think any of us could have imagined back then the situation we'd be finding ourselves in during 2020. I just, we didn't see that coming, did we? But without wanting to focus too much on the negatives that seem to surround us at the moment, we thought this subject was worth revisiting. Yet you've probably guessed it. We're talking about insolvency, liquidation, bankruptcy and administration. And I think we all know there are several routes a business can take when it can't pay its debts. But you have to sometimes wonder which route is the best route. Tracy, what, uh, what would you say is the best route or is it very much horses for courses? No, I think it's quite difficult to find your way through the various services that are on offer. So if you just Google company financial advice or company debt problems, the first couple of pages of Google are filled with organisations that are prepared to help, but that charge a fee. And I'm not saying that these are all bad, but when you're in financial trouble, maybe the first place you start is something that you can access um, more cheaply. And I think in terms of small businesses, I found one website which I thought might be worth signposting to, and that's Business Deadline. Now, apparently it's a charity which is run by the Money Advice Trust. And it says right at the front of the website that they're a free debt advice service for the self-employed and small businesses in England, Wales and Scotland. So I think some of the websites I've seen for debt will say that they're free, but you have to read the small print. So if you are doing a bit of a Google search, just make sure you read what the services are and what's involved. And, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, the chances are it's too good to be true as well. So this website looks pretty good. I I had a look through. It's written in plain English. There are guides, fact sheets, budgeting tools, really useful sample letters. So if you're writing some letters to your creditors and, and to your bank, maybe, then a sample letter. It's just one of those things that if you're stressed with money worries and debt, trying to come up with an original letter that hits all of the legal points, it can be really difficult. So I thought having the sample letters in there was really useful. They've also got a web chat service. So every time I went onto the website, it kept popping up and asking me if I wanted to chat to an advisor. And also they've got a telephone helpline as well. They say that all the debt advisors come from a variety of different backgrounds and their aim is to help you to tackle your debts. So there may be others, but that's one that I came across that I thought, okay, that's a really good starting point. You may consider others, but obviously be careful of ones that have got small print or seem to be offering you something that's too good to be true. I think, I don't know if you'd agree, but one I think one sound piece of advice is to start considering this before it actually becomes an issue. You know, before somebody forces your hand, you have some choices, whether it's insolvency, liquidation, bankruptcy, administration or or, or whatever. But 
or a company voluntary arrangement, I think is, is another one that didn't used to exist, but seems quite popular these days. But it's better for you to be proactive if you see this sort of coming over the hill and decide what's the best course for you rather than have the bank or your your creditors foreclose on you and, and call in your debt. So I think that the sort of websites that you've highlighted, Tracy, will help will steer people through that minefield at a time when it's probably something they really don't want to be thinking about no and i would say it also applies to personal debt so even if you're not uh, running a business it's not your business that's in trouble if you're starting to find that you're getting out of your debts <clears throat> with your personal finances exactly the same thing as you've just said applies don't bury your head in the sand try and tackle it head on and you you might find that even the action that you take if you are proactive with it you don't affect your credit rating as adversely as if you just ignored it and missed payments for example um, i know that money saving expert has got um a couple of good pages on debt help um, he's obviously a very reliable source and again in the same way as there are for businesses if there's personal debt problems there's a lot of companies out there that are offering a lot and also charging for it so go to trusted sources first for sure and if you're a sole trader or you're self-employed then you can apply for an individual voluntary arrangement which is the same as a company voluntary arrangement which is where you well, um an insolvency practitioner negotiates on your behalf with your creditors and you agree uh, a payment schedule uh, it may be that it's a lump sum but it's a reduced amount um, and essentially your creditors vote proportionately based on whether or not they're willing to accept and i think it's if you get 75 percent um positive vote then it's approved and that's what you run forward with so that exists whether or not you're a limited company if you're self-employed or a sole trader then it's certainly worth looking at if you find yourself in that situation but i, I find a really interesting article and i will put a link to this on our website um, from uh, osborne clark and they uh, have written about this was written on the 30th of march and it's about some of the changes to insolvency rules that have been brought in in response to the coronavirus crisis because with the best will in the world nobody could have anticipated this sudden applying of the brakes which will have nosed up cash flow for a lot of organizations sales you name it you know there are there, there are there are potential problems that um, that people are experiencing so it's well worth having a look and seeing what rules have been relaxed in terms of wrongful trading or over trading um and so it, it's, it's worth looking at that um and also i found something about on this website i found something about moratoriums tracy now you know better than i what is a moratorium i think the simplest way to think of it is it's given a breathing space so it gives a, a company the opportunity to try and rescue the company as a going concern and it just holds back any creditors um, so that the business can have a go at, at trying to restructure its finances that's probably the simplest way to explain it um, so it kind of keeps them on the outside to give you some breathing space while you figure out if there's a way to yeah. trade out of it or yeah. and it's okay. for quite a short period of time i think um 
the, the rules are around about 20 days and can be extended for a further 20 days and maybe possibly up to 12 months as long as you've got your creditors agreeing with you because sometimes the debt that you owe your creditors they might actually prefer you to to be a going concern and pay them back than than to go bankrupt and they don't get any money at all so, so sometimes it's in the your creditors interest to to allow you to try and restructure as well okay and i think it would be difficult to talk about this at the moment without referring to our friends at the ons um, we've talked in the past about the business impact um, survey that they've been running, which in, interestingly actually closed on the 14th of June, um, but they're uh, publishing results up to the 31st of May. And within that, they talk about the number of businesses that responded um, with regard to their trading status, whether they were 84% of the just over 7,000 businesses that responded, 84% reported they were continuing to trade as their current trading status, while 16% reported that they temporarily closed or paused trading. Um, and apparently there was a little difference in, in these figures based on the size of the organisation, which I thought was really interesting. But I'll put a link to that and the other um, websites that we've referred to on our website, thebusiness.community. There's a really interesting graphic um, that, that highlights uh, it's nice visual so you can start to see how how it actually looks so um so yeah we hope there's something useful in there for you we hope you don't need to know about all of this but if you do um then i think we signposted you as a good place to start you're listening to the business community on cal on fm and i'm sorry but the the news for business is is a bit bleak at the moment uh, as search as i did for some happy news some of the things that really stood out for me were a bit miserable but i do have to share them with you so apologies in advance so um there was a survey that was published on monday and the cbi's measure of industrial output and they showed that it's um fallen to its lowest measure over the last three months than when the measure started in July 1975 when I was four <laughs> and they are sadly expecting further decline in the months to come so might keep an eye on that measure of industrial output that's from the CBI and then I, I leapt onto the ONS again a great source of information around the coronavirus and the impact on society at the moment and this is a report called the personal and economic well-being in great britain great britain report and it's covering the period from the 20th of march to the 7th of june it was published just last week and they say that while our day-to-day -day emotions like happiness and anxiety have improved since the beginning of lockdown our assessment of life overall, such as life satisfaction and feelings that the things we do are worthwhile, are subdued. So maybe because we've had time to think. So we're not so anxious anymore and we're a little bit happier, but we're reassessing our lives in general. So on average, anxiety has fallen and the time we think it will take for things to return to normal has increased. So anxiety has gone down, but now our expectations are that going back to normal will take longer than we first expected. With one in four of us expecting it will take over a year or we'll never go back to normal, which is an interesting take. 
An estimated 12.5 million people say that their households have been affected financially. So we're talking about personal and business finances. And I think it's really important to note some of the impacts that it's had according to the ONS. They say that the share of employees and self-employed actively working fell in the first two weeks of lockdown and have remained comparable, so relatively stable through that period. Um, there are some signs of increasing economic inequality, with more people on lower personal incomes reporting reduced income in the household as a result of the, um, of the coronavirus, working fewer hours and being less able to save, while fewer people with higher incomes have been impacted financially. So more poor, poorer people have been impacted and fewer higher income people have been impacted financially. And parents and those who do not feel safe at home or people who are lonely were amongst the groups most likely to be impacted financially and to feel more anxious. And parents, again, were more than twice as likely to report reduced income. Less than half were able to cover a large ex necessary expense and parents were more likely to have been furloughed than adults without children, with over 20% finding that childcare was impacting on their work, so presumably a reason why they were furloughed. So since the easing of some restrictions, average life satisfaction has worsened for those with a health condition before they've just started to ease back to a level comparable with those without a health condition. So like we said right at the start of looking at these ONS reports, it's interesting to follow the trends. You might not think it has any impact on your business, but just be aware of where your business is sitting in all of these changes. You know, who is your target market? You know, maybe you are in, in one of the categories that are impacted on this. And, you know, it, just a s simple example, if you're a coach and you recognise that people are assessing their lives more now, maybe that's an opportunity for you. I don't want to sound facetious, but it's those sorts of things where, you know, we encourage you to look at the bigger picture just so you can start to think about where your company might need to go in the months, hopefully not years, but in the months ahead. What did yeah, you I think find? Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I don't think, even though this is the other news section, I don't think we could let um, this week pass without commenting on the announcements that the Prime Minister made on Tuesday about the lifting of some restrictions on pubs, restaurants and hairdressers, for example. In England. Um, this is sorry in, in england. england i was just going to yeah. say in england yes from the 4th of july we have to be so careful because tracy's sitting in wales i'm sitting in england and um and yeah and and, and it is re it is really tricky but i think you've got some announcements that are coming up soon so um fingers crossed it all sort of dovetails together fairly fairly neatly but i think that um so from the 4th of july these changes um come into play and a lot of elements although there are still businesses who will not be able to trade um, and we need to be mindful of those um, but some leisure facilities some tourist attractions cinemas libraries outdoor gyms um, social clubs places of worship and community centers so these um, you know these are all real positives but i also was surprised to learn that tuesday's briefing was the last daily briefing that they were going to give 
um, and that they would only be making briefings as and when they've got things to announce, which, okay, on the face of it is great, but it did just make me feel disappointed for those businesses who are still waiting for permission to resume business. Um, and I, I just felt that, you know, it's not over yet. And uh, so if you are in one of those categories, then, you know, we are still rooting for you and we are still, you know, waiting with bated breath to see when you will be able to open. Of course, there are the reduced um, distance restrictions where it's stay two metres apart where possible, um, but they're introducing the idea of one metre plus. So apologies to all those businesses who've invested huge amounts of money in stickers that say to stay two metres apart. Um, you know, maybe maybe you, you just leave them in place. Anyway, um, I just we couldn't let the moment pass without that. Uh, but then going onto the Gov UK website um, for a lot of high street firms who have been struggling and will continue to struggle. The government has brought in um, extended measures to prevent high street businesses facing eviction over the summer months. Um, so this is we've had, you know, rental um, rent holidays, etc. So I think if you are a high street business and you are able to reopen. Or even if you're not currently open, be sure to check out the gov.uk website to make sure that you know what your entitlement is in terms of your landlord, because it is a bit of a minefield um, and they've extended this through to the end of September. So if your landlord is telling you that that's lapsed or expired, then you, you know, you need to you need to um, reappraise them of the current situation. Uh, and then finally, um, on that theme, The Guardian ran an article this week about the Trafford Centre, you know, the big um, shopping centre up at Manchester. Um, the company Intu also owns Lakeside, which is a massive shopping centre in Essex. And because they've been unable to collect rent from many tenants, this is the flip side. They are um, preparing the contingency for whether or not they may need to go into administration, which would be horrendous, of course. So there's two sides of the coin there. There's there's the landlords who aren't getting the money, but then there are the small businesses who um, who are heavily dependent on these these payment holidays and these additional protected rights. So, um, so yes, but we'll put links to all of these uh, items on our website, which is thebusiness.community. And if you've been um, affected or impacted, or if you are a business that's not still not able to open, then pop over to our Facebook page. We'd like to hear how things are going for you. And that's uh, the business community. In the discovery section this week, I'm going to discover a couple of apps for you so that you don't have to. No, that's not right. I want you to discover them as well. <laughs> so this week, you may think I've just been staring at my phone. I've been idling away. But actually, I've been doing serious research for this show. So one of the apps that I've been using it's very similar to one I mentioned a few weeks ago. So I mentioned a brain training app called Lumosity. I've had a go at another one called Peak. It's another brain training activity with a free version, but in-app purchases. It's quite an old one. It's nothing new. It was the best app in 2014. Um, it's been around for a little while, but it's just the right time for me. When I'm feeling a little bit stressy, I need to do something to sort of take my mind off it. And I can't always carry my knitting around with me. 
that's perfect for me knitting but I think if I rocked up in the workplace with a bag of knitting and randomly started doing it every time I got a bit stressy then um you'd be knitting an awful lot of stuff <laughs> yeah it might not look so good but if I'm wanting to just like have a five minute break um I've been using Lumosity and now I've been using Peak and it is just similar to Lumosity it's got a collection of different puzzles but what I've liked is the range of puzzles that are in there so there's a real mix of things that you can do problem solving skills memory uh, mental agility and they, they claim to cover um, five areas of focus and they claim to leave your mind feeling limber um, I'm not sure I could say my mind felt limber but I certainly enjoyed the experience and you can track how well you do as well. So a bit like Lumosity has, asks you rather judgmentally, I feel, how long you've slept. Because I, I have noticed that if I've not had a long enough sleep, I don't do so well. Uh, Peak doesn't ask me all of that personal stuff. It just lets me get on with it. But it does compare me um, to my own performance and to the performance of other people. Not individuals, just groups of other people. So um, it's quite interesting. It's worth a go. And if you wanted to try some um, some brain training apps, um, Lumosity we mentioned a few weeks ago, and this week, Peak. Now, the other app, I have to admit, it didn't start out as a business research app, I have to say. But as a result of a conversation um, this week, I thought that maybe this app could be useful when you're doing team meetings on Zoom or something like that. So it's called Psych and essentially it's Call My Bluff. And I played it with Heather at the weekend and I think we had good fun with it, didn't we, Heather? We did. A lot of people won't know what Call My Bluff is, but, but oh, stick no, with it. Too, <laughs> they're all too young, maybe. <laughs> It's great. It's very good. <laughs> it stood the test of time. <laughs> so the idea is that you, there's a number of different categories and you, you all have to put in, um, say it was a word, you put in a, um, a description of what the word actually means or there was a um, film plots and you they give you a title of a film and you have to come up with a, a short film plot for it. And you're all playing separately on your phones. You've all got, you can all see the same card, but you type in your answer separately. The app then slots in the real answer and you have to try and guess out of all the answers, the ones that you've, your group have put in and the real one, which is the real one. And you get awarded points whether you got the, the correct one or points if your version was guessed by your teammates. And that's when you say you've been psyched by. I was psyched was by Heather a few times, yes. Yeah, I think I was psyched by you more than a few times. It was good fun. It was good yeah. fun. And so when I was having a conversation with a colleague this morning who did know what Call My Bluff is, please Google it. I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Um, that they, they just mentioned that you know, when you're looking around for icebreakers, most people know all the icebreakers that there are, but some of them are quite difficult to do over um, remote calls, aren't they? So this one's ideal because everybody has the app on their phone 
and you all but you all play at the same time so you respond on your phone and you can see everybody else's answers on your phone so just that i would squeeze that one in because there is potential there to use it or just have think, fun on a weekend yeah, I, I think there's huge potential i've been on a training course this week and um whilst the training course has been fantastic it's been done via teams which is you know like zoom um and yet we didn't have any icebreaker activity we didn't have any warm-up activity and we also everybody had their video off uh, so the tutor could see everybody but we couldn't see the other delegates Ooh. and as i've mentioned in the past for me that is that's really challenging i want to see who i'm on the course with so that i felt able then to interact and and chip in and so it, it took you know it took two days into the course to be able to um to feel that you could contribute because you would basically just talk into this box it's a really interesting thing to note though isn't it because you know when you go and do a face-to-face -face training course there's certain things that you do you warm up the room you get into the activity you start to get engagement in a certain way and it's almost as if those things have been forgotten as we go online yet they're just as important if not more so important because it's all a bit odd and it's not what we normally do so you need to be eased into it a lot more for sure i think if it's if it's a webinar you know because let's face it a lot of webinars have been recorded and you're just watching a rerun well that's okay you can sit there in your pajamas you know with a cup of cocoa or a glass of wine and just watch the webinar that's okay but if it's a training session then I see that as a two-way, that's how you embed learning, is that you encourage discussion and debate and um, sharing. So um, so I think something like that, even though on the face of it, it's a game, I don't think you can underestimate the power of, of you know, a fun warm-up activity just to get people, um, um, uh, what's the word, gelling. So anyway, I haven't got anything as... Um, well, maybe this is fun. I don't know. It's on the face of it. It sounds a bit dull, but I think it's fantastic. On Tuesday, Tuesday was International Women in Engineering Day. And it was it's brought to you by the Women's Engineering Society. It's in its seventh year. And I discovered it because our favourite profile person of all time potentially is dame stephanie shirley who we keep name checking because she's just so awesome and she seems to be around a lot at the moment but she flagged it up on twitter and uh and essentially it's about encouraging women to work in engineering uh and i'll put a link to the website you, you know you can have a look at, at what it's all about and what they've done in previous years but what i thought was great about it is that they have some little competitions and they're still running and they 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 the deadlines are are looming as you might expect but if you're home schooling kids or if you're looking for for stuff to encourage a child or or a young adult into engineering um, then it's worth having a look. They're running three competitions. There's one for under sixes, which is colouring and design. Um, there's one for over sixes, which is about creating your own soapbox derby car, like a, you know, make like a cardboard car, and then take a photo of it, obviously, and upload it. And then they've got something for um, older uh young adults 11 to 14 and 15 to 18 which is about um designing a poster for engineering a sustainable world so 
great you know great opportunities to to get young people engaging young women engaging um and the deadlines are running through the month of july so there is there is still time but um as i say i'll put a link to that on our website which is the business.community take a look it uh, it looks like fun you're listening to the business community on Calon FM and this week we're profiling a business and it's a business of which I am fond of its products and I think for the first time ever presenting this show I am actually consuming some of this product as we record. You're so committed. I am. <laughs> I'm so committed to the cause Heather. <laughs> We're talking here about Brewdog, a multinational brewery and pub chain, which is based in Scotland. And I must point out that I am drinking the alcohol-free version of a a Brewdog beer. Uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't get through the whole recording. And Brewdog was founded in 2007 by two gentlemen, James Watt and Martin Dickey, who own just under half of the company themselves now and i think it's very difficult if you go out drinking to not have seen brew dog to not have heard of brew dog it's big it's bold it's in your face and if i just refer to one article in the guardian from a few years ago i don't think um this has actually changed so even though it's a four-year-old article uh, the title is the aggressive outrageous infuriating and ingenious rise of brew dog um, they describe themselves as the punk brewers but it's the uk's fastest growing drinks company and it's massive heather what do you think of brew dog well um i'm not a fan of beer and lager to be honest um so i haven't i don't think i've ever drunk any or maybe i might have had a sip but I have bought some and I know their packaging is very distinctive. You know, the cans, bottles, if, if, a, if a pub sells brew dog, you'll know about it. You know, it is, it's very, um, not in your face, but it, it, it's very obvious and it's instantly recognizable. So they've worked really hard on the brand. Um, I think what's really interesting is the scale at which they grew. It, it, they sort of started in Fraserburgh in Scotland in 2007, as you say, um and then at the end of the at the end of 2018 they'd got 78 bars across the world um you know which in 11 years from literally buying their first bar in 2009 i think is amazing but i think what's really interesting is how they raised the money for that i mean the most recent equity that they raised was um through something called equity punks is what they call their shareholders and it's essentially crowdfunding uh, the most recent um, um, investment was um, by 47,000 people <laughs> who invested 8.7 million pounds in the business and um, it, it's like really what they say it's their shareholders but their friends and their community and the heart and the soul of the business so they really we've talked about this before when we've profiled good companies and and strong business leaders is how they're not just customers they're part of the company and they're really brought into this sense of community and that's really strong on the website as well that they really um 
play up that sense of equity punks and, and the sense of community that there is across the UK, Europe and in America. Yeah, I think it, it is that the brand, it's the brand and people, as you say, they're in financially invested in it, they're emotionally invested in it. And even if they're doing none of that, they like the product. Uh, they opened their first um, bar in Ireland in December last year. And amazingly, and I, I think this is really fascinating, in January of this year, they opened its first out their first alcohol free bar in London. So um, I don't I don't know how many alcohol free bars you get. It's not something I'm no concept I'm familiar with. To be fair, I, I, at the risk of endorsing a product here, I do like their alcohol free beer. It's it's tasty and it tastes like beer, which is what you'd want. <laughs> yeah, it's genius. They also, as we've heard with a lot of organisations during the COVID pandemic, they started making hand sanitizer for hospitals and charities for free for free and I believe now they've moved on I don't know whether they um whether they had the distillery part of the business before uh but they've moved on to some sort of spiced rum I think that they're starting to make um so yeah they've moved they've moved on from the beer and on to harder drinks well I'm not a, I'm not a rum fan are you no no not at all no no not at all not at all I, I believe I think there are plenty of rum fans in the world, though. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say they're quite bullish in their approach. Um, they, there was an article earlier this week saying that they have been trialling using drones for delivery um, in the US in the USA, and they're looking at using them in the UK if they can get the permissions. During coronavirus, they've been delivering beers to rather than to pubs. To you know, people could have buy online and have delivered um at home so i think they're just widening that uh to yeah there we go Distil distillers cut spiced rum no, <laughs> not, for me. not for me so uh, i also I had a look at delving into the website see some of the things that they said about themselves so um, one of the statements is that we believe that business can be a force for good. We've come across that a few times with different companies and they've put in, in their website that they're giving back uh, to them is everything. And they've got something called a unicorn fund through which they give away 20% of their annual profits. 10% is shared equally between their teams and 10% is donated to charities chosen by the team and the community. The other thing that caught my eye was that they said they believe in radical transparency. So to um, explain that, they say they've um, given away all 326 beer recipes for free to the global home brewing community. Um, their accounts and financial results are freely available. I would say, however, they are through Companies House anyway, as a PLC, but there you go. Um, and their profits and future plans are shared and the future of the business is to hide nothing and involve everyone so i did indeed go and have a look at their accounts which were on company's house freely available to me and um, their revenue growth um, between 2017 and um, 2018 um, was up 55 percent so you can see the growth just in that one year 
Um, we're looking at gross revenue in uh, ending 31st of December 2018, because obviously the 2019 accounts aren't due to be filed yet, was £172 million. Pounds. Wow. And, um, profitable company as well, if you take a look. Um, and just having a look, um, they talk about their overheads. Um, they've been investing in 2018, so their overheads were a bit higher, so their profit was down. But they said they've been investing in their senior people, in their teams, in their marketing and in their bar network in the UK and overseas. Hence why their profits were down in 2018. So they've explained that one. Can I share a funny story with you? Please do about them. Um, it, it, it's apparent there's been there's been um, quite a bit of toing and froing in and out of um, the newspapers and courts about them um, being uh, in in having a difference of opinion with certain other bar operators and drinks manufacturers yes yes i see it took me a long time to find a subtle way of saying it but there we go but this regardless of your political view one thing that i thought was hilarious there was an article um published in the morning advertiser at the end of may um following the um the situation with the government advisor Dominic Cummings and his 260 mile drive to Barnard Castle, they launched a new beer which was called Brewdog Barnard Castle Eye Test. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they don't really care if anybody takes exception to it. I think they're well, just doing their thing. Well, to be honest, they probably do care because that's perhaps what they're trying. So they're provocative marketing. People are talking about it, aren't they? It's a key aspect of their business. And I think that, you know, it's what they're known for, isn't it? It gets them plenty of coverage anyway. It might get them into hot water, but it certainly gets people talking about them. So that's Brewdog. I like their beer. Heather's not a beer fan, but I think you're impressed with the company itself heather aren't you yeah and the whole branding and yeah that whole ethos i think it sounds good yeah 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 so that's about all we've got time for today on the business community i might go and crack open another can of beer non-alcoholic of course <laughs> of course You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.